Hey everybody, I'm Jason Klepa, and welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. Today's episode is with Joe Gigantino, uh, my first boss, my first mentor. This guy taught me so, so much about the business of fitness, which is what this podcast is about. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it and get as fired up as I did as I'm talking to him. I just want to hit the streets and grow the business. Before we get into the episode, just a, a quick announcement for one of our sponsors, Wattify. You know, we use Wattify at our gyms worldwide. We have multiple locations, multiple programs, hun- you know, thousands of members, and Wattify manages to track it all for us. If you've been thinking about switching over to Wattify, um, but maybe you're worried about the transition and you're thinking it might be tough, uh, don't worry. They have people to help you out along that journey, which is something we've done in the past. Uh, if you go to Wattify slash fit, um, today you'll receive 20% off your first year. Go ahead and check it out, wattify.com slash fit. Again, we use this in all of our gyms worldwide, and it's just something we believe in, so I wanted to share with you. Second thing is that if you're going to Wadapalooza, we will be out there. The NC Fit Collective will be out there. We're going to be having a big event on Thursday. Get excited for that. You'll see us announce it on social, but that's going to be a phenomenal event that you don't want to miss. It'll be a Thursday in the middle of the day. So without further ado, Let's dive into it. Joe Gigantino, the myth, the man, the legend. Get fired up after this one. Let's go. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm here with um, the best way to describe this gentleman is mentor, uh, friend, and longtime uh, mentor and friend, Joe Gigantino. So thank you very much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Joe... Let me just give you a little bit of background. And so for anybody who's been catching up on Business of Fitness uh, episodes, I hope that you've had a lot of value. But today, this man is um, single-handedly laid the foundation for uh, for everything else that has kind of happened in my life. He, I started working at a traditional gym when I was 14, 15 at the front desk. I met Joe and another gentleman, Min Nguyen, as well as Austin Begeebing, and these gentlemen have had dramatic impacts on my life. And Joe in particular, as I was going through high school and college, I learned a lot about the business side of fitness versus where I learned a little bit more about the coaching side from CrossFit, I learned a lot about the business side from Joe. So at the time, I'm going to dive in with Joe. We're going to talk about conventional gyms, and uh, I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. We're going to go for about 40 minutes in three, two, one. And uh, let's go. So, Joe, you and I met when I was really young. Uh, how did you get into the fitness? How did you get into the gym space? Well, um, like you, I started young. I was in college and uh, just got done playing football at Fresno State. And um, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, said, hey, there's a, I just joined this gym and there's a, uh, they're looking for salespeople. So I went and interviewed um, got, got a job doing sales, uh, took a, took a little bit of, uh, or, uh, persistence to, uh, convince the owner that I could uh, do the job cause I was in school and he was looking for full time. And, um, and I said, well, I can get here at 12 right after class and I could stay till nine. And he, he said, well, these guys are in here from eight in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. You know, that was his considered full time. I don't think that would fly in this, <laughs> in this day and age, yeah. not in this day and age, um, with overtime regulations and stuff. So started in sales, doing uh, commission only sales. Um, he basically, I asked him, you know, what do I do? He said, you get lead slips, you call them, um, invite people in, give them a free week. And if you, uh, convince them to join, I'll pay you $25 a sale. And from there it was like, wow. Um, every sale I make, I get 25 bucks. He said, yeah. And I said, so you're absolutely sure if I get 10 people in one day, I make 250 bucks. He said, absolutely. So, um, I didn't know much. So I would go get a bunch of slips. I'd make a bunch of calls and have a bunch of people come down and, um, things turned out. I think I made uh, my first week, I made like a thousand dollars and I was off and running. And then you're just sold. You were just ready to go. I was ready to go. So I finished my senior year of school, you know, typical jobs that you get out of college, Pepsi, uh, management at a hotel or, you know, different tracks that they kind of put you in. Um, and I said, no, I'll stick with the gym. I think that's, you know, what I like. And I really liked it. I liked helping people, convincing people that fitness was a, um, a great way to, you know, get in shape. And um, back then, prices were still fairly this was uh had to be like 89 um some of the probably listeners weren't even born then, <laughs> yeah, no. but um yeah that was traditional health club i think it was 35 bucks a month um we would sell um you know 
20, 30, 40 memberships a day. And it was a big box gym. And, uh, but this guy that the owner was really, um, and he was my mentor. I was following him and watching him and saw what he was doing. And I said, boy, I could do this. This is, you know, business I'd like to get involved in. And I think, you know, kind of fast forwarding and he, uh, that summer I went and did a promotional, um, gig for him up in uh, Concord area and we uh, had opened a new gym promoted the memberships for the first 90 days and then when I came back I think I was really just being overly aggressive with him telling him you know I want to be a partner I want to do something with you I want to help you open the next gym and he finally just said hey there's a guy up in uh, Los Gatos you should go talk to he looks like he needs some help and I think that was his way of getting me out of the area Um, he was still my friend. He was just, I think I was just so overly aggressive that I wanted to be an owner. I wanted to get in the business that he thought, you know, it's best to get this guy out of town. Well, speaking of want to be an owner, you know, one of the things that you made a big impact on me is I remember one day, you know, we used to, um, so I used to go to school in the morning. I used to then sell gym memberships at night. And then you and I would either ride the elliptical or whatever at night. And, uh, I also started a little clothing company, which you supported faded lifestyles. Remember that one? Yes. We hit, but it didn't take off. And, uh, I remember one day I'm like, Joe, I want to be an owner. You're just like, look, you, if you want to be an owner, you got to start acting like an owner today. And it sounds like you were always kind of acting like an owner. So when you were in college and, you know, uh, you were with Christine, but like you used to go, what did you, you used to go to the movie theater, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you know, again, the, to get the, the leads, yeah, the right? concept was, you know, the more leads, um, the more phone calls, the more people that would come down to pick up their free week, um, the more sales. So I, you know, just said, you know, can I, you know, he would give us the leads, but I said, can I go out and get my own leads? And he said, sure. Um, you know, so we would go and we'd go anywhere. We'd go to restaurants. We Anywhere people were gathering, we'd have them fill out this. We'd get, you know, the golf pencils and we had the slips and we'd just have them fill it out and say we're giving away a free year membership. Um, if you don't win, everybody's going to get at least a free week. And they would fill them out and we would take those back and bring them back to her dorm room. And we, <laughs> we installed another phone line and we would make phone calls. She hated it uh, because, you know, people would hang up on you. And this is yeah. this is really before cell phones. So it was a lot easier to get a hold of people at home. You're, But, you know. Call them during dinner time. Uh, call them at dinner time and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. that was, you know, that was our uh, gig. We just figured the more leads. We would sometimes have green garbage bags full of leads from going to the movie theater and getting people to fill out the slips before the, um, you know, the start of a movie. Or if there was an event where people were at, we would go there and, you know, hand them out in line. So our goal was just to get leads. The more leads I had, the more phone calls I could make, the more appointments and sales I had. So obviously it goes without, it goes without question that you're playing football, you're driving leads, you have the hustle. I mean, you have your entire life. But so when you went, how did you make the jump from working for somebody else to working for yourself, right? What did that What did that process look like? Because was your first your first club was in Milpitas. Um, the first club I had was in. Oh, uh, was, never mind. Was, yeah, it was the, Foxworthy. That's Foxworthy. Yeah, yeah, it was in San Jose here. And I think, um, you know, when I was working for, you know, doing the sales, we were independent contractors. And I think, you know, the laws now and the rules now on independent contractors are a lot different than they were back then. So um, the way the owner always pitched it to us is that you're in business for yourself. You're, you, but I give you the, a desk and I give you a phone and I give you the space to sell the gym memberships. But you're in business for yourself. So um, you know, the harder you work, the more money you're made. And that's right. exactly right. that's exactly what I um, uh, needed. And you know, kind of just stepping back, I'll give you real quick. My as soon as I got done with football, I I had to work. I needed money, so I went and got a job at a catering um, business. And um, at the end of the two weeks, we were all sitting on the truck. I can remember this vividly. Um, and we all got our paychecks and I was looking at the other guy's paycheck and I was just dumbfounded that they were getting paid the same amount as me. Right. And I felt like I worked 10 times harder because I would, you know, bust my ass to unload the truck and set up the chairs and, and do everything. They were, they were just being lazy. And then when I said, my God, you guys got paid the same amount as me, they said, Joe, we all get paid the same amount, no matter how hard we work. And it just, I went home and I said, I can't do this. Right. Um, I got to find something that's going to pay, um, for my efforts. And that's, you know, Christine said, oh, there's a sales job commission only. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and it was great. And what happened was when I came up here to, uh, Los Gatos, um, and I was helping an owner, uh, do the same program and drive, uh, member, uh, members into his club. Um, we were both doing it. Me and my wife were doing it at the time. Uh, it was, it was very successful. This was an area back in 1990, 91 that had never seen this type of marketing, which was just grassroots, you know, guerrilla marketing. Um, we were being very successful. And I think what happened, the owner panicked because he was, we were making a lot of money. We negotiated a really good deal. We we're making a lot of money. And at some point he just said, Hey, I can't keep paying these, you know, commissions. commissions yeah. So we, um, what we, what we found during that time is that a lot of gym owners 
uh, needed help in the back office. They were just transitioning to automatic billing, EFT. Today, it's very common if you of join course. a gym or any type of thing. They just tap your credit card or checking account. Back then, it wasn't as common. People were still bringing in the checks or they were mailing out invoices. So we said, well, why don't we help owners you know, install that new system? We had a, a relationship with a software company. And while we're there, we can also help them in the marketing. And that's kind of what we did for the next couple of years. Um, you and Christine. I yes, uh, we both did. Um, I did uh, work with um, some guys in Fremont and then Modesto. And what would happen is we'd go in, we'd do a really good job, and then they'd want to hire us as the manager. And we always said, you know, we're, we don't want to be hired; we want to own, we want to be our own boss. So uh, eventually, found a gym here in town in San Jose called Fox Radio Athletic Club that a gentleman was selling, and um, I happened to be in Modesto promoting a club she was here in san jose and it was just difficult you know again brand new married and we're you know i'm I'm living in modesto doing this marketing at a club so when i found the one in san jose i cut a deal with them and i said you know let me come and help you increase sales if we increase the numbers here that you could sell it for more money and um uh what happened was uh this guy was very smart he negotiated a very strict deal that he wouldn't pay me you know, for the first 90 days, but I had to hit these certain numbers. And of course we, we hit our numbers. I went up to his office and said, Hey, I'm here to collect my check for over 30,000 bucks. Right. And he says, Oh, I don't have the money. And what he did at that time, he said, what I'll do is I'll give you half the gym. But unfortunately the gym had just doubled in, you know, in gross sales. So what I thought was going to get the hundred percent of it yeah. uh, for that 30,000, I got, I got half of it for the 30,000. So, um, but it was, it was okay. I needed money. I needed to work. So I became an owner at that point. Uh, we were 50% owners and we, um, we started growing the, the little gym. And so you kept growing the little, the little gym, uh, which is a, you know, it's a conventional gym, big box gym. Right. And that's kind of how you got your start. So how did it start to progress from there? Right. Cause you've had this entrepreneurial spirit for a long time, obviously. So how did you get, what, what was that partnership like? Um, the partnership was, was great because he allowed me to do what I needed to do, which was drive revenue and build the business. And he was never in the business. He had an office in the prune yard. Um, I think the turning point for me was after a couple months of being in there, um, I called my mentor down in Fresno and, um, he was coming up to, um, go to Carmel. So I said, you know, please stop by. I want to show you my first gym. Yeah. And I think, you know, it really struck me when he pulled up in his Rolls Royce and, you know, the parking lot was somewhat empty. It was maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. And, and I brought him in and I really realized, oh my God, you know, I've got this little gym here. There's no way I'm going to, you know, get the Rolls Royce if I, um, you know, stick with this. I have to, um, I was somewhat embarrassed actually when he walked in and I was showing him, you know, the equipment and it was an older gym and it wasn't what he had, you know, the products that he was building in Fresno. Um, so I think at that time I said, as soon as he left, I said, I got to get another place. And, um, there was a building down the street. Uh, that had a sign on it that I had saw. Um, and I remember I rented a car because I only had a truck at the time. I rented a car so I could meet the, the brokers and the owners and um, ended up negotiating the lease on the corner of uh, Hamilton and Meridian. So at that, mo- at that moment, right, um, what was the gentleman's name from with the Rolls Royce? Uh, uh, George Brown. George Brown. So he drives in, boom, you kind of have this sense of like, oh man, like you wanted to kind of, you know, put the right show on, right? I mean, you wanted to kind of, and, and I feel the same way because when we first opened the first gym, so right now we're at our Campbell location, which if you guys hear some background noise, we're doing some expansion here. But this location is has came many years down the line, but our first location was 1,500 square feet, a junkyard, and, and we just kind of made it work. And uh, I remember when Joe, I remember you know, that. You know, Joe comes by and I kind of had that same idea, right? Like, because at the time, yeah, I was like, oh man, you know, you, you kind of want to make these guys proud. You kind of want to show them like, hey, this is the fruit of your labor. And so at that moment, you kind of feel like George, like you kind of feel like, oh man, I got to, I got to keep progressing. So you sign a new lease, right? Yeah. We, uh, at that point, you know, I was very young. I was in my twenties and we signed a, a lease on a building that was 24,000 square feet with rent of about 24,000 a month. Woo! And uh, we started a pre-sale <laughs> yeah. and I can remember vividly, there was a butcher shop there called Tom Francois butcher shop. We're signing the lease. Um, I had my truck with a desk in, in the back on the, on the parking lot. And um, they're bringing the trailer on. I had ordered the trailer, the pre-sale trailer, the trailer's coming on the broker's screaming. Cause the broker was actually, you know, a part of the ownership of the building. You know, he didn't want the trailer on it until that lease was signed. And so it was just chaos going on. Um, we finally signed this lease. Me and my wife signed this lease. Don't know what the hell we're doing. We signed the lease. I walk, as I'm walking by the building, um, there's two ladies peering through the window. And I, I just nervously say, hey, can I help you? They go, 
oh, we were just looking inside here saying this would be what a wonderful place it would be if, you know, this was a gym. And I just looked up to the heavens and said, oh, my God, what a, yeah, what a like, great it sign. It was like perfect just validation. I walk over to my truck and there's my friend who I in, invited to come help me, you know, get things set up. And he's signing two people up on the hood of my car, on the hood of the truck. And I was like, do you even know what you're doing? He goes, no, I just saw the contracts in the drawer and these people wanted to sign up. So I'm filling out the paperwork. So I said, this is going to be a winner. And it turned out to be a winner. It and, was, that, and that friend still was with you many years later, right? Uh, that friend is, uh, yeah, Ron, he was, a, he was a member of the gym at Foxworthy. And um, kind of funny story is I used to do these promotions for trips to Cabo, whoever brought the most members in. And um, he would always be at the top. And then some fictitious name would always seem to get ahead of him. It was just a, for me to drive him to do more. So I'd put this name ahead of him. He'd come in on a Monday, go, who the hell is that person that just you know brought three more members in? So eventually I told him, I said, man, I'm just, I've been just pushing you. And you, so I got, got him a trip to Cabo. He won it. Um, he ended up helping me in that pre-sale. We uh, we did tremendous in that pre-sale. I just never knew how successful it would be. It, it went really well. I think so, we, we sold so what did you do? So for the gym owners out there, I mean, look, you're listening to your story. I mean, it sounds like, you know, the everything falls into place. That's not always the case. I mean, so what did you do, you know, with your first gym that you opened? Not the one that you took over some ownership in, but in this one, the pre-sales. What were kind of like some intent, some like, actionable items that you use to kind of increase sales at that time and how do they correlate to today, right? I mean, the trip to Cabo is not a bad idea, but let's just talk about from, you know, a traditional functional training facility. I mean, what kind of sales and marketing do you think these guys could be doing right now that you think there's just low-hanging fruit? I don't, I don't think, um, you know, even though technology has come into play and, you know, cell phone and text messaging and social media, which is tremendous, you can utilize those. But you have to have goals. And I think at that time, you know, I was reading a lot of books, um, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich and, you know, um, Stephen Covey books. I was reading all these self-help books and everything was about writing your goals down. You had to have goals. You had to have markers. And I think it was a way I used to work backwards. So if I wanted to, you know, have 20 sales in a day, then we had to make sure that we had 40 appointments a day. If we had... Uh, 40 opportunities a day. So if we needed 40 appointments, we better have 50 or 60 appointments set up. And if we needed 50 or 60 appointments, we better make sure we're calling 100 to 150 people. So for me, it was very simple math. You know, if, if, if this was the end result, then I knew what I needed to do to get that. And once you know your numbers, um, it works. And I think we used to talk about that when you guys were selling oh, is you, ha you always had to have your goals every day. You had to walk in um, the gym with your day set up. If you're trying to set your day up on a Monday, you're, you're lost. You're already going to lose that day. So, you know, your Monday needed to be set up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to have a successful Monday and Tuesday. And I remember telling you guys too, is when you go on vacation, when you come back, business is still going to be there for you. But what's going to happen is a week or two down the road, you're going to feel like you're slow because you hadn't done the pre-marketing. So consistently marketing on the phones, or if it's Instagram today or uh, social media or sending out your tweets, um, just touching people and making sure you have appointments every day of new people coming into the club. Yeah, because I remember you used to call me. It'd be like Saturdays and Sundays. I'd work a lot of Saturday and Sundays because I was in school. And I'd always get the, hey, Jay, what's the EFT? What's the gross? <laughs> right? And so what we would do at, at, at uh, Joe's Club, it was called Milpitas Fitness at the time. Now it's something different. But, uh, you know, growing up, I mean, I, I sold gym memberships there all throughout college. And what it would be is it would, it would be uh, – there was – I think you had – it was only two lines, right? It was just EFT and gross? Or was there something else? Am I missing? And then guests. total? No, we wanted oh. no guests. Yeah. I think <laughs> guests was the most important number because for me, if I was sitting in Hawaii and I wanted to be able to measure the business, um, I knew that the one number that I needed to know was how many guests did we have come in the club today. Not how many sales we did because I knew the sales would come if we had guests. But if we had no guests, we had no sales. Right. How many guests – how much EFT, so how much electronic funds transfer are we getting? So those are like the monthly dues, right? You would just put the, the guest name, you know, dues, or maybe they didn't sign up, and then total gross if they did paid in full or whatever it might be. I just remember every time you'd be like, Jay, if we hit 3,000, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't remember, like, um, we're going to do something for you. And I just, those are always good times, man, because you're kind of, you're trying to hit those goals, and those numbers. So back to uh, the books you're reading, things like that, you're setting up these goals. Um, as you were starting these gyms, what do those goals look like? Were you saying, hey, in the first six months, I want to break even to for me to break even. So for my monthly expenses are 40 grand a month. Because at that time, right, you're talking about rent and this and that. I mean, utility bill alone, right? A couple grand a month. Right? Oh, I mean, you had way more than that. I mean, so so you're in this new Foxworthy club. You know, what were the kind of like the big learning lessons you took that then rolled you into Milpitas Health and Fitness? Well, I think, um, you know, starting out with zero money is I didn't have the ability to um, 
you know, have a cush. So if you had a bad month, you know, um, that I could reach into the savings account and pay the bills. So that's maybe why I was so driven because I had, I had no opportunity to pay the bills unless I drove the income. Yeah. So, um, for me, I felt like the fitness business was one of those businesses where the harder I worked, the more money I could drive in the door. And I thought sometimes other businesses, you know, where you didn't have the luxury of marketing per se, you know, calling someone up, inviting them down and then you know, introducing them to fitness and showing them how they can change their lives with fitness. And I was so passionate about helping people um, that I thought this was the perfect business for me because I can actually dictate how much income I bring in by how many calls and how many referrals and how many guests I drove into the club. So that was what, you know, really drove me. Of course, not having any money, I knew I had to make sure I hit my numbers. Well, on the money thing, if you could do it all over again, and I'm always curious about this because, I mean, I started up the gym with not much money at all because um, at the time, you know, I was getting nice commission checks from you, but I bought Ashley an engagement ring, made some bad, made some investments in a, we got to talk about Batter Blast in yeah. Idaho. But uh, before we get into that, uh, if you could do it all over again, if someone had given you 500 grand cash, do you think it would have benefited you or hurt you? Um, looking back, uh, it would have probably hurt me because I was just so... I had no um, option to fail. I mean, I just could not, um, you know, fail because I I, um, I had no other resources. And I, you know, just kind of a funny story. I had pre-sold the gym on Meridian. And back then I, you know, again, rules and laws might've been different. I don't know what they are. You got to have put up bonds nowadays if you're doing pre-sell. There was yeah. a lot of unscrupulous people in the business, in the health club business back then. But we had sold a boatload of members uh, memberships. We had spent all the money on the interiors of the building and I didn't really have any money for equipment. And I had ordered equipment <laughs> through a, uh, this gentleman that was giving me marketing deals. He would sell equipment to new, this was gym equipment. He would sell equipment to new people that were opening gyms. And then of course, call me and say, Hey, they're not doing well in their marketing. Um, why don't you go help them? So he was a great resource. I had never met him um, face to face, but we had to talk on the phone. So I ordered $120,000 with the equipment back then. That was a lot of money. Um, I can remember um, a couple of weeks before we were ready to open, I called him and I said, um, unfortunately, I don't have the money to pay you, um, but I need you to bring this equipment or otherwise I'm going to jail. Because if I don't have the equipment, I can't open this gym. And I needed to right, open right. it right before January, the perfect time to open a gym. We opened it the week before, uh, you know, January 1st. And he said, okay, I'll bring the equipment. Um, and I told him I'd give him $20,000 checks every two weeks. He could deposit one. They would be post-dated checks. It was six checks for $20,000, $120,000. Um, thank God he took them. He dropped off the equipment. We opened the gym and the rest was history. We did really well. Wow. And scary so, though. Oh yeah. But I mean, I think those scary times kind of push you to this uncomfortable zone where you got to kind of, you know, step up and get to the plate. I mean, I, I know the exact same feeling. I mean, when we opened up our, first, you know, the first gym, CrossFit Santa Clara back in the day, mm. I mean, I opened it up. I remember I put $5,000 on my mom's credit card for some gear and, you know, use some of my money. And you're just sitting there like, look, if, if we don't get to our monthly expenses at that time, you know, I think our rent was like 1500 bucks a month. So it's mm -hmm. a lot different than your club. But I mean, if you don't cover it, you're in trouble, man. You're in trouble. And sometimes that's kind of good to have your back up against the wall a little bit because, I mean, within reason, right? Because you don't want to act irrationally, but you want to act with purpose. You want to be goal-driven. And if you kind of think that this endless well of money, I don't know if you're ever going to get to the point where you're developing the skills to grow your business, right? Because you get too comfortable. Yeah, and I think to, in today's you know um, environment with a lot of um, you know smaller gyms, uh, I would say studio type gyms, CrossFit gyms, or functional training gyms. The person that's the lead usually has some sort of passion for fitness, or they're a great coach, or they're a great athlete, and they want to be in the business. And they might not have the skill set. They say, "Well, I'm not a salesperson, or I'm not." And I don't believe you need to be a great salesperson. What I believe you need to have is passion for what you do. And if you really love helping people, or, or uh, you know, transforming somebody from a non-athlete to an athlete and getting people in shape, then you're never really selling. You're just convincing people why they need to start the program today. Well, that's really interesting. So, how many clubs have you either opened or sold in? Um, probably. Well over a dozen. Well over a yeah, dozen, right? Yeah. I mean, and so, and we're talking about thousands and thousands of members. Sure. In the big clubs, yeah, you know, thousands of members. We've done some studios type stuff. But I think, you know, at the when it boils down to it, if the people that are listening to this, if you're a gym owner or you want to be a gym owner or a studio owner, is um, setting yourself goals and then 
you know, working backwards to hit those numbers. And I think what happens is, is that we just tend to, you know, gravitate towards the things we're good at, you know, rearranging the equipment or, you know, putting a social media post out instead of really getting down to the brass tacks, which is inviting people in, somehow getting people in the door, showing your facility, giving them a workout, and then letting them see your personality and your skill set and then signing them up. I think, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. So, I mean, one of the things I really loved and I learned from you and Min is that getting in front of all these different people, and I think I think sometimes in CrossFit in particular, people have like this negative connotation towards the idea of sales, but you're not, you're not selling them anything that you don't believe in. You're just inviting them into your gym and then hoping that they enjoy your product, right? And and if I mean if you can't sing from the hilltops about your product, then who is going to? Absolutely. And you know, of course, CrossFit was built on the foundation of coaching. And um, you know, I have a funny story about that time when I met with uh, Glassman up there in Prescott. We owned a club in a building up in Prescott, and um, I happened to have lunch with him. It's like and- a ten years ago, right? Uh, this was right before you won the game. So what was that, 2008? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, over 10 years ago. Yeah, cause it was And I, I, I can remember vividly sitting at lunch with him and him telling me that he was going to have over, you know, 10,000 CrossFit gyms throughout the country. And it was all going to be based on coaching. Coaching will drive, um, you know, the customers. And he was absolutely right. And I remember telling him, you know, why didn't he have videos of you? Um, online back then? He had him of Spieler and a couple other athletes at the time. And he said, you didn't even know who you were. And I told him you were going to win the CrossFit Games, <laughs> and he came came basically ran up to me after you won, and he said, "How the hell did you know that Jason was going to win?" I said, "I trained with him. He was just a natural at it." And um, and subsequently, he invited me to one of their meetings up there at his house when they were um, talking about how to, you know, how the games were going to evolve. And um, and I remember sitting in the room with maybe there had to be fifteen people that were all CrossFit diehards he says you know people that were that started the company with uh glassman you know his his kind of inner circle and when i started talking about marketing and and how to drive people in the door i mean they could have burned holes through me with their look yeah it didn't it didn't work i mean and i remember after that you know greg came to me and said joe you know you just don't fit with our program because i really didn't understand what crossfit was about at the time um i was all about you know coming from the health club business about marketing and driving people not in a not in a bad way but just because of my passion for it wanting to get people started in fitness well well, i think this is a really good time to have the conversation because i think what you're seeing is and i you know i've talked to i mean more gym owners i could count and these guys you know they start off the foundation of coaching community and and some of them have seen success, but a lot of them are struggling. They're having about 100 members, and they're kind of stuck there, and they can't get past that 100-member mark. So let's just say you're a CrossFit gym. You have a great coach, but you're not a guy who wants to go scream from the hilltops about your business. What do you do? Because you're, you're at 100 members. You've been in business for two, three years. This is very common. I mean, I've probably been on the phone with over 1,000 gym owners now in the last couple of years, and this is where most people are at most of the time. There's always exceptions to the rule. What would you do? Well, to me, I would look at that as such a simple task because if you told me I had to go from 100 to 200, yep, means that's only turning. I mean, I got to just got to do 100. You got to find 100 people. 100 people. I I would. I could do that very simply um, by just walking the streets. What I would do is just get out of my 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 place, walk to the business right next door, go in there, and I'd invite those people in. Um, I would go to the business down the street. Within walking distance, you can find a hundred people. Now, could you imagine being in a gym where you have to have ten thousand members, right, or fifteen thousand members at a low number at ten dollars a month or nineteen dollars a month to you know to cover a nut that's maybe a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollars? Now that's that's scary. Yeah. But to get a hundred members. I, uh, what I would say is, and I was just talking to a gentleman the other day and I said, if you just walk with, uh, with, you know, maybe a quarter mile of this facility, there's thousands of people. I mean, one building down the street maybe has 3000 workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would get a hundred out of there. Right. I would, I would drive those people in the door. I would invite them in. I would um, personally work them out and I would sign them up. So do you think that there's been, you think, so for the CrossFit space in particular, there was such a focus against marketing. I wonder how much of a disservice that's done, and I wonder how much uh, repair we need to do. Because, I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, well, I, I think it's just so against their norm, right? So what would be, the first step would be just get outside and just start talking to people. That's it. Well, yeah, get outside of your place because, you know, again, nothing happens until someone walks into your, you know, facility. And I think um, we sometimes get 
you know, we're, we're not nervous to talk about it on social media, or, you know, or to put posts up of videos, but go out there and really talk to people, get back to the basics of talking to people and driving them in. And I can remember, again, going back to the gym I worked at in Fresno, when I, you know, there was six or seven salespeople, men and women in there. And um, I would say, well, you know, I'm going to go across the street and go talk to the people at the XYZ company. And, and someone would say, oh, we've already been over there. No need to go over there. And I was like, screw it. I'm going over there. And, you know, sometimes people change. I mean, you go into businesses, there's turnover, there's new people. And just because you were there six months ago, yep. handing out passes or talking about your business, um, it doesn't mean that there's new people haven't come into that business that might want, you know, something to fitness. And I, and I don't think it's about, you know, you can just talk about health and how to, you know, maybe about stretching and, and how to help them prevent um, injuries in their sport or what they do. And then driving them into your facility and showing them how or having a program, how they can do that, how they can work out with a trainer, personal trainer, or they can get into a class if it's CrossFit, how they can start with a CrossFit class. Yeah, I mean, I, I just remember vivid, you know, so, so much. We'd have those seven-day passes. Sometimes we have two-week free trials, and you'd put your name on the back. What you're hoping for is you go give them all out. Sure. And, and you get some, you know, referrals that come in the door. And, you know, back in the day when I was working at the gym, uh, Joe's gym, is the way the sales team worked is you'd have maybe five sales guys, right? We'd each have our own desk, and we'd be cold calling off leads from, you know, old members to this to that. And when a new, when a walk-in came in, the walk-ins were always the, the golden gem, right? So walk-in is like, is like whipped cream on top, right? You don't know it's coming in, but when it comes in, we have a rotation system, right? And, and so, but if a walk-in came in and they had a seven day pass with somebody's name on it, all of a sudden that person, you know, received that lead, right? Absolutely. Even if they didn't come in asking for you, say, oh, I got the seven-day pass, and you'd flip it over, you'd hope it'd be your name, but sometimes it'd be somebody else's, right? And so anyways, the reason why I bring that up is I remember we used to do fish bowls, right? Yep. And uh, and, and so how how effective was fish bowls versus just like, because I, I didn't know if I saw as much success with that as I did just talking to people. I think that's the biggest thing. Well, back early on in the early 90s, I mean, putting a lead box out, we call them a lead fishbowl. Lead box was a pad with someone would scratch their name on it, put their phone number. Um, email wasn't prominent back then, so it was phone number. And they would put down what they were interested in. We would take that, call them up, say, you know, we'd pull out a winner that would win a free year. Everybody else would get a free week. And our goal was, you know, just to get them into the gym. I mean, if they filled it out, they were somewhat interested. And the thing that that kind of boggles me today is if someone walks into your facility, if you have a CrossFit gym or you have a functional training gym or a studio gym or even a big box gym, if someone walks in and they take the time to walk into your business, they're coming in because they probably want to join. And what happens is we tend to, um, we tend to not value that person. We, we, we go through the program, but we don't really understand the psychology of what they're, what, what, what they're thinking. And, and being a, you know, an owner of a gym, I, I really understood that they, they want to join. It's just hard. It's hard to make that decision to take out your wallet, give your credit card and sign up. They always want to push it off. And you have to be able to handle objections and you have to be able to give them an ease into, um, you know, joining. So sometimes if it's very expensive to join, there's always going to be the objection. I need to think about it. I need to talk to my, you know, a spouse or somebody. So what did we practice back then? We always did role playing, handle objections. A lot of trainers and a lot of gym owners. um, They think it's a sales technique, but just understanding what the objections are. What do most people say? I want to think about yeah, it. I want to think about it. I and then what's your go answer? Talk to my wife. Okay, go home and think about it. Well, you're probably going to lose that sale. Right. The thing is, let's talk about it together. Let's. What do you? What is it that you need to think about? Is right. it starting the program? Is it paying the money? Um, is it that you just don't feel like you're, you know, ready to, you know, at, at this level to join, you know, this type of gym? Get the questions out because when they go home, they're not going to think about you. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're 100% right. I mean, the biggest thing is, so I remember we'd have our whole sales pitch. We'd have everything all dialed in. We'd give the the tour, right? Give the nice tour, come back around, show them all the different things. And I think the whole idea of the tour, and correct me if I'm wrong, was to evaluate what is this person truly looking for, right? right? Are they looking to increase weight, lose weight? Are they looking to come here and just meet people? What's, what's their kind of like touch points, right? And then you, when you finally get to the point where you're like, okay, da 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 these are all the amenities that come with it, and it's 19 bucks a month, all of a sudden, like, okay, well, thank you very much, but, um, you know, I'm going to go home and think about it. And then that's where all of this has led to that point, right, where you've you've learned who the person is that now you can start talking with them on a more personal level of what are they really, what are they really worried about and how do we overcome that? You know? Well, yeah. And I mean, think about it back then when we were selling a $10 membership, $10 for a month of fitness. <laughs> I mean, and we would spend, you know, I would try to get you guys to spend time with that person, Oh yeah. you know, but today's day and age where studios charge $150 a month, the value of that 
that client, you better know if you're a gym owner, um, you better know the value of each client. Does does a client stay with me for a year? Well, if yep. he stays with you for a year, how much is that client yeah, worth? Lifetime you? value, yeah. Yeah, lifetime uh-huh. value. That's eighteen hundred dollars. If they stay with you two years, that's thirty six hundred dollars. So you better be willing to invest an hour of your time, maybe two hours of your time, maybe up to five hours of your time to get that person to enroll. Um, and again. In, in the gyms, we used to take a tour, take a little bit of time to show them all the different rooms. In a studio, it's one room. So how, how does the tour really, you know, you show them a few things. What you really need to do is put them, have them grab a barbell. Have them put a little chalk on their hand. Have them do um, some ground to overhead with a plate, 10-pound plate. Um, have them do uh, a burpee right there. Have them do a squat. Get them, their muscles thinking. So when you sit them down, and of course, you know, this day and age, they... There is no chairs to sit down. So closing, we use the word closing or trying to make the sales standing up is very difficult. But, you know, sit them down, sit next to them and really go through their goals. And what are they trying to accomplish and really put the effort in? And if they say, hey, I need to think about it. I can't make a decision today. That's no problem. I want you to come to a class tomorrow. I want you to bring in for a personal workout tomorrow. Get that person engaged. And I think you'll 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 do way more in sales. Well, while we're on the sales subject, because you're the the king here and uh, is Okay, so now you got this person to sign up, and to your point, right, sitting down, understanding who they are, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, one other thing is we're talking about member, you know, referrals, right? And so you'd always like to talk about, you know, hey, do you have? So now that you've you've became in the club, what I want to do is I want to give you five free guest passes for your friends. Sure. Right? I mean, so, I mean, how successful has that been for you over the years, opening up different clubs? Well, think about your your. What do you? What's the first thing you do when you try a new pair of sneakers on? You buy a new shirt. You show your spouse, your friend, your wife. You you want validation that I made the right decision, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if people go, that shirt is ugly as sin, you're probably not going to wear it again. Right, right. Or if right. your wife doesn't like it and says, those pants don't look good on you, you're probably not going to like it. Right. And, you know, the same thing with a gym membership. When someone joins a gym, what do they want to do? They want to get validation from their friends. So they bring their friends down. And if their friends join, what does it do? It validates they made the right decision. If their friends come in and go, God, this place is garbage, dirty, and it's, you know, it sucks, then you go, oh my God, maybe I made the wrong decision. So that first six weeks is is very important to um, for the new member to bring referrals in. And I think that was what we used to stress, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. bring those referrals down. Um, every referral, and I can remember the guy's name, um, the, the guy that taught me at George's how to really sell um, was he said, Joe, you'll never need to call another lead if you work your referrals. Every person you enroll into the gym, if you follow up with them three times over the next six weeks and have them bring referrals to you, You'll never have to call another lead slip again because all your business will be for referrals. And, you know, and again, in this day and age, referrals are great in the real estate business, insurance business, and they're really good in the fitness business. I love that. So, yeah, referrals are key. Now, I want to ask you, I want to kind of shift gears. There's some gym owners out there, and actually we're in this predicament ourselves, where we're talking about owning versus leasing properties. So we're in the Bay Area, a very expensive area. And, um, you know, we have multiple locations, you have multiple locations, and uh, we've done a little bit of deals together on the, on the property itself. But I want to I ask you about your current scope, and because um, I know you're buying properties and kind of like getting gyms into them, but I want to ask you about Milpitas Fitness in particular. Why did you decide to buy the building? And do you think that was one of the best investments you've ever made? And and what could a gym owner learn from that? Yeah. So let's just start with the, that question. Um, why did I buy Milpitas? Um, well, you know, in business, things don't always work out the way you planned. And um, going back to my start, um, I sold my 50% interest after things got really rocking uh, me and my partner had a, a falling out. Not really a falling out. He wanted to go in one direction. I wanted to go in another direction. So what he, did he want to do? And what did you want? To he do? wanted to um, raise more capital and uh, take the gyms public um, through what they call the Regulation A offering. Um, I was fresh out of school, a couple of years. I just got married. I was in my twenties, and I just didn't understand that concept. I was making, you know, ten thousand dollars a month. Back then, I was, uh, you know, giving him $10,000 a month. I just felt like everything was great and life was great. And he had this idea of trying to um, bring in investors. And he was way more sophisticated than me at the time. And I just didn't understand it. So he said, hey, you don't want to do this. I'm going to buy you out. And I said, well, you know, let me buy you out. Blah, blah, blah. That that went back and forth. He um, ended up buying me out. Again, I didn't have a very good attorney at the time, and I thought I was done. When I got bought out, I thought I was done. Unfortunately, me and my wife had signed a lot of leases and the lease on the building and equipment leases, and my name was on a lot of stuff. I had no money at the time. I didn't really have any assets, so I didn't really 
think of anything of it. When I sold the business, um, I got some money down and the rest was going to be over time. Where the flaw was, I didn't realize that once I left the business, the business were going to suffer mm. because I was the driving force of the business. Um, he eventually lost the businesses. And what happened was um, I was, um, they came to me with, I think when we went to the meeting, it was close to $700,000 in liabilities oh, that I owned. That you, that you and Christina. Yeah. That we had personally owed. And I, of course, you know, said, well, I don't have that type of money. Um, and what I, when all this was coming down, I was smart enough to realize that I did have a couple bucks in the bank. And I said, if I put it into a, a, a property, into an asset, the only way they could do it is lean the property. So I bought Milpitas out of more out of a defensive mode than I did, um, being smart on real estate. And, um, I remember driving back from Sacramento. I was looking for some deals up there. I saw the building. I remember we had talked to him. Me and my partner had talked about buying that club at one time. I called him up when I got home, um, didn't have cell phones back then, or didn't yeah. at least have a, probably didn't, he didn't have a cell yeah, phone. Yeah, a little pager. Yeah, so yeah. probably had a pager. So I, I went to my office, called him, and he said, yeah, actually, we are selling this place, and I've got the broker here right now. And I said, oh my God, what perfect timing. I got in the car, drove over there, and I said, I need to buy, I need to buy your club. And we ended up working out a deal. Um, I can remember the banker at that time. It was His name was Howard Hoover. He was out of Santa Cruz. And I could not believe, me and my wife looked at each other when we were doing the SBA loan. We looked at each other and said, I can't believe they're giving us a loan on this place. But my goal was to double the business. Um, I think the mortgage at that time was probably 50% of what the gym was doing. But I had you know, told the bank I could make this thing you know, double if I just once, once I get in there. And so I bought it. Things were very successful. You know we... we, we Took the gym from doing thirty thousand a month to one hundred fifty thousand a month, made made a lot of money, and I bought a second facility, and then I started realizing, you know, buying the property was the way to go. And so, going back to the partnership, just to kind of close the door on that, what would you have done differently um, with a partnership in particular? Well, I think if I was if, if I was a little brighter, had more um, better advice, I would have probably uh, hung in there and not sold. Um, you know, not sold, but you know, everything works. Hindsight's for, always 20, yeah. 20, everything right? works for a reason. I mean, I might have had him attached to my hip for the rest of my life. Um, if I did it, if I didn't leave, but you know, it ended up working out. We ended up, you know, we took. I'll tell you that that Milpitas Club. Uh, we negotiated uh, the seven hundred thousand down to some number in the three hundred fifty thousand range or so. It took me eleven years to pay every single person off that I owed money to. Some we paid from from Meridian from from yeah well from the past partnership. That one gym, Milpitas, um, generated enough money, but it took me eleven years to pay everybody off. I paid every single vendor off that was owed money that we negotiated down some at the creditors meeting said, Hey, I'm, um, you know, I'm just let my bill go. I'm not going to go after him. And some said, Nope, Joe's going to make money. I'm going to stick it to him. And so I worked out a deal with every single person and some people we paid weekly. Some people we paid monthly. Um, some were as small as $25 checks, but we paid everybody often, uh, declare bankruptcy. And, you know, and I think it was in a testament of just working hard because I knew I had to pay all those people off. Well, man, I think if there's anything that you've taught me over the years, it's just that, that grit and hard work. And I think sometimes people People can get away with a lot if you just put in the work. I mean, you could you could not be the brightest, you know, sharpest tool in the shed or whatever. It and is. I am not, as you know, I'm not the sharpest tool. But I'll tell you, when it comes to work, and you know, in in my career in in sports and in and everything, it was always about hard work. I didn't have you know raw talent, and but I just found a business like fitness that was just so amazing that you know hard work can really translate into success. And the end result was I was helping people. I loved helping people. I loved getting people in shape. And, um, you know, in the big box gym, it was amazing that you could do that for thousands and thousands, thousands of people. people. You have now the ability, of course, online to reach millions of people. You know, you've helped thousands of people get in shape with your CrossFit boxes, but you just can't open them up fast enough to, you know, to, to make a big dent with your online um, platform. I think you're going to be able to help millions of people get well, in shape. Well, that's a really interesting thing to kind of like just kind of really push into the gym owners and coaches out there is this idea that we should be really grateful that we've been able to get into the fitness space because like we are preaching something that's helping people. We're able to provide for our families and provide for other people. And I think sometimes we, we could take that for granted, right? I mean, because you get stressed out, you're trying to pay the bills. But I mean, at the end of the day, if your business isn't where it's at, you know, they need to take a step back, reflect and get out there and start talking to more people because Absolutely. it's not like you're trying to sell them, you know, I don't know, tobacco or whatever. I don't know. Like, yeah, we're not selling a bad product. We're, yeah. you know, so if you say you don't like sales, you don't have to do sales. Just talk about what you like doing, which is helping people or getting people to get gains. If it's you know gaining in strength or losing weight, 
Um, there's no other business better. I think we're in the best. We sell the best product in the world, which is fitness. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't care if you're in a CrossFit gym, an Orange Theory gym, a big box gym, um, a karate studio. Fitness is fantastic. Um, and I think that's, you know, for anybody out there that wants to, you know, grow their business. If you're just filling the attrition rate, if you're losing 10 members a month and you're putting 10 people on, you're losing. I mean, you need to be adding more people, you know, than, than you're losing. That's how you're going to grow your business. I'm getting fired up. So I want to just bring up one thing. So we're back in the day and uh, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta share this. This was a huge learning experience for me. And I talk about it actually in the book, uh, as many reps as possible. So I'm uh, maybe, I don't know, how old do you think I was? Maybe 17. And we invested into Batter Blaster. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And so I remember uh, the, uh, a friend of ours, Min comes in and he brings this, this uh, kind of like, uh, is it um, like whipped cream can, right? Yeah, it, was was whip, a, it was basically batter, uh, pancake and waffle <laughs> batter in a can. <laughs> And um, it we was thought we, so good though. I we thought, thought we, we had a hit. We were going to be rich, and it just. Yeah. Before we tell the story, so like you invested X amount, I invested uh, X amount, and then remember it was like booming. And remember the sales pitch was, hey guys, if you just want to make one waffle, how do you only make one, right? Because you'd have to make like ten if you ever want to make the mix. And uh, they came back to us for more money, and we did it again, right? So you invested twice, and so did I, didn't we? Yeah, and and they had distribution. They had they were um, they had the product out there. We, we could buy it at the stores. We thought, you know, okay, that's the hardest part. Um, I think it was just when you fight these big behemoths of companies like Kraft and whoever else is in the you know General Mills and stuff like that. They what they thought was let this person try to you know make a run at this, and we'll just buy them. Um, and of course, they couldn't raise. I, I, I think it was. I, God, it's been so many years, but they couldn't raise more capital. And of course they went out of business and we ended up losing, but, Man, I, but I think the bigger companies now have products out there like that. Yeah. I, just, I just, you know, just to change something, my wife bought this new soap, you know, in the shower, that's the same type of aerosol can. And I mean, it is unbelievable. I love <laughs> it. It's, I mean, it comes out like all whipped cream in your hand and you soap right up. So here's the thing. You just sold me on this, uh, soap whipped cream, yep. right? But that's the equivalent of you trying to sell a gym membership. You're not selling anything. You just love it. You love the fact that you hit a button and you get oh, whipped cream soap. And uh, that's the way gym owners should feel about their business. But back to Batter Blaster for a second. That one really broke my heart. I yeah. thought we were going to go get a Rolls Royce like uh, like your, your buddy. And uh, it didn't work out that way. And I think, I, I think looking back on this learning experience for me and maybe for you too, I didn't know enough about the, the CEO. And to me, I think there was a number on the table to buy the company or whatever. And I, I just don't think he took it. Sure. I, I think if I, if I, if I could do the deal over again, I would have gotten to understand better who this person was and what his, you know, his motive was long-term because we might've been able to see that, Hey, you know, maybe this wasn't the best deal for us. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I think to, in this day and age, you know, the people that are listening to this, if you're a gym owner and you've invested in yourself, you invested, maybe your friends and family have invested in you, they're counting on you to be successful. Um, and you want to be successful. And I think, you know, if you, no matter if your place is big, small, in a small town, big town, in a city, there's always people that you can add to, to, to your facility to grow it. And I think you just have to really make that a priority. That's the number one thing that you you know, it's on the top of your list. It's, you know, n- not rearranging the equipment. It's not making another post. It's how do I drive more traffic in the door? And if, if drive, you know, if posting drives traffic in, that's great. Um, but I think that has to be your ultimate goal. So Joe, I, um, we need to do about five more of these, but, um, what is, I know you have a new business, so you have all these gyms, you have real estate, you're just killing the game, but you also have an equipment company. Uh, what is the equipment company and wh- so real quick guys, Joe has an equipment company and the only reason I think he has an equipment company, honestly, I'm not going to, I am going to put words uh. in your mouth is because you just love selling things. You love it. That's the truth. You will wake up early at 6am to go sell a barbell and make 40 bucks to somebody when you have all these properties. Is that what it is? Well, it's, you know, and again, I think back when you were starting the, you know, the CrossFit, remember we were building this stuff. We were yeah. building this stuff, you know, with wood. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I got, I got, I got sued for uh, an apparatus that we had made <sighs> out of wood because, you know, the, you know, this is stuff we took off the internet back then when we were making jungle gyms out of uh, or rigs out of, you know, wood and uh, I think plumbing pipe. You know, the bar broke, and yeah, yeah. you know, unfortunately, the gentleman got hurt. Oh, but um, that was at a that yeah. was in that was in you know Los Gatos. But you know, again, that was the industry back then before Rogue came involved. And I think when when you were starting, you know, people were asking me for gear, so we would buy some gear wholesale, and then we were selling it. I remember we had space at your facility in Santa Clara, but um, 
why do I do it? Because I like helping people. At the end of the day, you know, we've kind of transitioned out of the operations of gyms to the real estate side. We buy property now, uh, fitness property. We try to find studio fitness or big box uh, places that have gone out of business, convert them into gyms, and then lease them to people that want to be in the fitness business. But, you know, because this equipment company that we have, we just deal locally. We don't sell online. We don't sell product. We don't ship product back east or anywhere. We just service the Santa Clara County, kind of the Bay Area. And what's the, what is it called? It's called Weights and Bars. And we, is um, it weightsandbars.com? Weightsandbars.com, correct. We house some product here that people pick up on a daily basis. But we do a lot of corporate um, facilities now. We do, um, we do a ton of home gyms. We did over 150 home gyms last year. Garage gyms, basically. Um, you know, those are just, you know, some mats, some barbells, some racks, some rigs, some dumbbells and that type of stuff. But the the thing that the reason I stay doing that is because I get to meet a lot of trainers and those trainers eventually will want to open their own facility someday. And um, I help them on the real estate side. So, you know, for me, it, it keeps me in touch of what's going on in the industry. So uh, it's not, you know, sure. I love selling equipment. I love, but I love meeting people more and I love helping people. Well, guys, um, you heard it here from Joe Gigantino, the man who really, I mean, just if you listen to the full conversation, you can really tell he's a guy who's passionate about what he's doing, passionate about the fitness space. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from him. A lot of his kind of, kind of, you know, uh, transferred over to me. Right. And I feel the same way. And so, um, I want Joe to come on multiple more times, but where can people find Joe Gigantino? Uh, is it Twitter, Instagram, website? What, what is it? What's um, the best place? Yeah, we're probably in a little old school uh, email. Joe at workout.com is my email. Oh, by the um, way, Joe at workout.com. How much did you sell the domain? Or are you allowed to say? Not allowed to say. That was years ago. And that's another whole podcast. We should talk <laughs> about that because that was that came at a perfect time in my Joe life. Joe bought a domain, workout.com, for a not a lot of money and sold it for a lot of money later on. But anyways, uh, sorry. not. To, um, and, I still, and, I, and I still get to, e- get to use the email. I'm so... I'm blessed that the gentleman that bought it um, allows us to use the email, which is fantastic. I would hate to ever have to change my email. So Joe at workout.com. Yeah. And then also uh, we're on Instagram at weightsandbars.com or the website weightsandbars.com. But if you're local here in the San Jose area um, or the Bay area and you need equipment, we'd love to help you out, at least price it out for you. Um, and if we don't carry it, we'll, we can help you find it. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, I hope everybody has a great day and I can't wait for Joe to be back on the show and uh, keep uh, rising the tides. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. 